Welcome to Notes from the North, the official podcast of the Vikings Gazette. On this episode, we were joined by a very special guest, Christopher Gates from Daily Norseman, who is the creator and lead over at their site. And with that being said, we'll throw it over to the interview. Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. All right, well, we'd like to welcome another guest to uh, Notes from the North. We'd like to welcome Christopher Gates from Daily Norseman here. And, and Christopher, I guess we're, we're trying to figure out a little bit, how did you find your way to writing about the Vikings? Well, I mean, it's not like a big romantic story or anything like that. I was just kind of looking around for uh, Vikings information one day, and I just happened to come across a site called Windy City Gridiron, which is the uh, SB Nation site dedicated to the Chicago Bears. And they obviously, since they're an NFC North rival, they talked about the Vikings. And at the time, SB Nation didn't have a Minnesota Vikings blog. They were still uh, pretty young at the time. And so I uh, took a shot and you know asked if they wanted somebody that was interested in uh, doing up a Viking site for them and sent them some writing samples. And I'm, I'm still doing it. They haven't fired me yet. So must have uh, must have done something correctly. So far, so good. Yes, sir. That's, uh, I didn't realize, because I just interviewed uh, Mr. Wilfong from uh, from Windy City Gridiron, because uh, I've been going around to NFC North writers, and uh, I've uh, finally come around to Vikings and looking to get a Vikings perspective other than my own, uh, which is what led to me reaching out to you. Uh, so that's that's interesting. I So Daily Norseman, you didn't start that and then kind of migrated over to SB Nation. It was, it started brand new in SB Nation. Yeah, it's always been an SB Nation site. I mean, the way SB Nation did things is they they got all of the, the major league baseball teams first, and then they had like a couple of blogs for some of the NFL teams and some NHL teams and whatnot. And, you know, they just eventually expanded to the network that they are now of like 300 plus uh, different right. sites covering pretty much everything you can imagine. Uh, I think when we hit 300 sites, they sent us a list of uh, what chronological order uh, the sites were added to the network. And I think we were at like number 60 out of really? 300. So wow. we were we were one of the earlier NFL blogs on the network. And yeah, we were, well, I, I shouldn't say we, because at the time it was just me. Uh, I was motivated to, uh, to do that just by reading some of the other uh, SB Nation sites and hoping that I could uh, contribute my thoughts on our favorite team to uh, the network. Right. So, I mean, was this like when you started daily Norseman, I mean, when, what year would that have been? That was our first post came in July of 2006. So a couple of weeks before training camp this year. So we basically gotten uh, the Brad Childress era, the Wesley Frazier era, and now the Mike Zimmer era. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 2006. So this is, this is 15 years uh, next month that uh, that the site's been online and would you uh, uh would you have guessed that this was where things would have gone after about 15 years absolutely not i mean i you don't you don't start something like this you know with the aspirations of you know you're going to have thousands of people reading you and whatnot i mean some people might but you know it's just something i enjoy doing i enjoy writing i enjoy vikings football and you know, it's it's just nice to be able to do those. And the fact that it's generated the kind of audience that it has is just kind of gravy for the most part. 
Right. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I was um I was talking to Sam <laughs> last night about Daily Norseman, and I'm not I'm not in any way being insincere when I say this, but I was just saying that I I just think it's such an excellent site. Uh, and I started the Vikings Gazette less than a year ago. Actually, in July, it'll be one year for me with the Vikings Gazette. And I was just saying that Daily Norseman is uh, just very, just a site that I admire. Like, it's, it's just, they, I just was saying, saying they just do excellent work. Because um, Sam actually, if, if uh, I don't know if this will offend you or not, but he actually leans towards Green Bay, truthfully. <laughs> and so I was, <laughs> I was keeping him up to date on all things Vikings. That, that's okay. We all have our faults. Yeah, exactly. that's we can. Right. That's that's something we can handle. Right. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I there there, I think we might be the oldest uh, Vikings blog that's still been kind of continuously running this whole time. Um, mm-hmm. We did have a couple of inspirations. There was a site that uh, used used to be out there. It was called uh, Mister Cheer or Dies Viking Underground. Uh, so that was he. He was kind of the the godfather of Vikings blogs. And then one day his site just kind of disappeared. It was on one of the servers at the uh, University of Minnesota, but he had been doing it for like forever before uh, our site came along. And I don't think we had much of an overlap because I think uh, his site disappeared not long after uh, we got going. But yeah, I I didn't, I certainly didn't expect this to last 15 years, but it's been pretty great. There's been ups, there's been downs and uh, it's all been, you know, fun to cover. Fair enough. I mean, the final question I have for you before we maybe get into the Vikings and OTAs on roster is, I mean, how much different was it in 2006, you know, launching this site, just hopping on, writing about the Vikings? Was it different than it is now in in the sense of, I'm thinking in terms of competition or or whatever the case may be? Um, Yeah, what was it like 15 years ago? I mean, the the competition... I mean, I can't remember how many other Viking sites there were out there. Most of them were on like Blogspot or Blogger or something mm-hmm. like that. There weren't any like big, you know, networks that uh, that kind of did this sort of thing. Um, it was a whole lot different because social media wasn't nearly as big as it was now or as it is now. Right. <laughs> I mean, there was no real Facebook. There was no Twitter. Uh, basically, if you wanted to cover something, you had to wait for like the the Star Tribune website or the Pioneer Press website or yeah. ESPN to updates that you'd have something to talk about. And now you just kind of sit and watch Twitter scroll through and somebody says something like, Hey, there's something to write about. Awesome. But right. uh, yeah, it, it was way different uh, doing it back then than, uh, than it is now. Cause you know, just the, the volume of information you have available today is just so much greater than it used to be. I mean, I appreciate it, but uh, yeah, things are, things are a whole lot different now than they were when we first got started. True enough. I mean, that that's all making sense. Sam, do you have anything before we hit second down here? No, it's it's really cool. It's really neat to to hear. And I think just like we've we've grown up and following different teams and the way that we access teams is is certainly different as a fan. And so um, it makes sense that that covering it, that things would would be different. Um, So, no, it's it's neat. But we did we want to transition to second down and, and look a little bit at the state of where the current Vikings roster is at now. And I guess like as a general question, just to start this off, uh, I feel like right now we're at the spot in the summer where we're just like so desperate for football and <laughs> we've got the OTAs on right now. And it, like, how much do you feel like we can actually read into what's happening at OTAs? I don't think there's a whole lot 
that you can really glean from OTA practices. I mean, you'll see, like, like we like we just talked about with social media, like the team official Twitter accounts or whatever will put together these highlight reels of dudes in shorts and t-shirts making one-handed catches. And, you know, everyone gets hyped up because that's the point. That's what they're supposed to do. But, you know, I really don't think you can read a whole lot into, you know, what's going on in shorts and t-shirts in the middle of June. I mean, you know, especially for, you know, when a lot of the guys you're the most interested in are, you know, for the Vikings, guys like Christian Darrisaw and Wyatt Davis. I mean, you can get no feel for what the offensive line is doing during OTAs pretty much. You see like catches and runs and interceptions and stuff like that. So I think there's only so much you can get from OTAs. Like you said, we're we're just desperate for football at this point because it's been like four months since the last time a meaningful football game took place. And yeah, I, I think we get excited over stuff, but you know, just because you get excited about it doesn't mean there's any real uh, information that you can get uh, from what's going on out there. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I was laughing with Kyle last night just because there was a, a clip that they'd put on the, the Vikings Twitter account where they highlighted Thielen making this catch. And I was like, I can't tell if that was actually a good throw or if it bounced off the cornerback's <laughs> hands or what even happened. Cause it's some dude on their phone recording this thing. And, and so uh, yeah, it feels like we're like, I'm, I, I, I fall into this where I want football. I want to watch something meaningful, but um, yeah, I think that that's wise to not read too much into this. Yeah. I mean, you can only watch so many like highlight films and hype videos and stuff like that. And eventually you just want the football. And like, like we said, as nice as it is to have these things from uh, OTAs and whatnot, we're not really going to learn anything until the actual training camp start. And then again, we can't really, I mean, the shortened preseason now, I'm not sure how much we're going to get from the preseason either, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think you can get significantly more from training camp practices and training camp highlights than you can from OTAs and whatnot right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, before you mentioned Christian Derrissaw and Wyatt Davis, and those are two names that, I mean, any Vikings fan, of course, is, I think, thrilled that we chose them, especially where we chose them and 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 the potential that they represent for us um to maybe at least get to some level of competence i don't necessarily think we'll have an elite offensive line uh the question i have for you though i mean when we talk about this roster and i agree with everything you're saying with otas like it's just especially with the big fellas the linemen it's really tough to glean anything meaningful at all um but i mean are you feeling hopeful have they done enough to address the offensive line do you think I think so. I mean, I like the the guys that they have now. I mean, people talk about how Rick Spielman ignores the offensive line and whatnot, but if you look at the guys who are going to be starting, at least the guys that should be starting, uh, all five of their starters for this year are going to be guys that were taken in the first three rounds. You're going to have two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and assuming that Wyatt Davis wins the right guard job, if he should, uh, you'd have a third-rounder on there too. And, you know, that that's not ignoring the offensive line. It's a matter of the Vikings coaching staff coaching these guys up to the level of potential that got them selected at the points they were selected so that they can be, you know, this offensive line doesn't have to be like the Cowboys of the nineties or anything like that for this offense to put up points with a skill position talent that it has. They just have to be not actively awful, like all the time. And I definitely think that we can get there. Uh, They have guys like Rashad Hill 
who probably isn't starting material, but he's a pretty solid backup uh, if it comes down to uh, needing to use him. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the depth comes from, but at least as far as the starters go, uh, I'm pretty optimistic about what this offensive line can accomplish. And it's been a long time since we've been able to say that, I think. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, there is a lot of criticism from Vikings fans about the offensive line because it's been either average to below average for such a long time. But I think what you're saying is exactly true. I mean, it's, it's a philosophical decision in a sense. I mean, it's not that they haven't addressed the offensive line. They have. It's that they've yeah. addressed it through the draft with young talent. It's not that they're going yeah. out and signing big-time free agents for huge deals. Um, so it's just about how they've gone about it. And if anything, uh, it would seem to me, without actually being in the building, that maybe more of the criticism ought to go toward the coaching staff, in a sense, um, in that they're the ones who are kind of entrusted with developing and pushing these players. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts with that? I think I can agree with that. I mean, because, you know, like you said, they they haven't signed a lot of big name free agents on the offensive line. I mean, the, you look at a guy like Pat Elfline, who everyone yes. thought was a great pick in the yes. third round a few years ago and had a pretty decent job starting as a rookie. And, you know, then he got hurt in the NFC championship game and took a while to recover and just never quite got back to the form that he had in his rookie season. So, I mean, I don't know if, you know, that's on him or if that's on the coaching staff, but, you know, a lot of the guys that they've taken flyers on, you know, you have guys like Ole Udo yeah. that people seem to like a lot and doesn't really get on the field ever. So, I mean, obviously the coaches see more in practice every day than what we see, but yeah, uh, they, they've spent premium picks on guys. If you consider first and second day selections, premium picks, it's a matter of guys like Rick Dennison and the rest of the offensive line uh, coaching staff getting these guys uh, up to the level of performance that you know we anticipated when they were drafted that high. Right. Fair enough. And I mean, this is maybe is another, I'm sure you've seen this in your travels as well, if you uh, peruse comment sections at all. Um, you know, when I think of the Vikings offense, do they need a better wide receiver three? Uh, would that make life easier for everybody in that there's another legit option for cousins or are you a, a BC Johnson, Chad BB fan? See, that was kind of the debate when, you know, the Vikings were going through the draft and, you know, you look at the, the wide receiver depth chart, obviously Theo and Jefferson are as good a duo as there are in the league. Yes. And then, yeah, like you said, it kind of drops off to the BC Johnson, Chad BB level. But if you look at the kind of offense that Mike Zimmer wants to run, you know, I believe I'd have to look it up to be 100% sure, but I believe the Vikings used three wide receiver sets uh, less than any team in the league last year. Uh, I think that's been the case for the last couple of years. And so I, I think wide receiver three, while it could use an upgrade, I don't know how essential that is or if you'd have to go out and get like a premium guy because if you're only going to go three wide receivers like 25% of the time, that's kind of a waste, especially if you're playing multiple tight ends. I'm kind of excited to see what uh, Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin can do yeah. as the, the top two tight ends now that Kyle Rudolph has moved on. But uh, I think I would be more tempted to look for an upgrade at the tight end spot than I would be for wide receiver three, just because of the style of offense that the Vikings run just has that much more 
uh, emphasis on multiple tight end sets rather than trying to spread teams out offensively and whatnot. Interesting. So would that be more so an upgrade over Tyler Conklin as the tight end too, or are you thinking with Irv Smith? I, I think Irv Smith is going to have a really solid year this year. I think it would be more of a tight end to upgrade over Tyler Conklin. Although when Conklin got his opportunity last year, when Rudolph was hurt, he did a pretty solid job yes. too. So yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what those two guys can do now that they're the, the top two primary guys and Kyle Rudolph isn't uh, eating into their snaps anymore. Right. Right. I mean, what you're saying there in terms of it got me thinking as well about, I mean, the Vikings were active uh, in free agency, more active than I had anticipated um, yeah. in you mentioning, you know, the possibility of, of uh, upgrading a tight end too is got, what got me thinking about that. Um, but if we could transition a little bit in the sense of like, when you think about the moves they made in the off season, um, it's primarily on defense. Do you think uh, that those moves were well, one, uh, Good moves. I'm thinking Dalvin Tomlinson and Patrick Peterson, obviously, but then there's a few others as well. Uh, Breland more recently. And, you know, is it enough to actually get that defense back? Do you think? I think the Vikings have done a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball to get themselves at least close to where Mike Zimmer wants to be again. If you just look at the experience at the cornerback spot, I mean, going into last year, I mean, there were like nobody there are no cornerbacks on the, on the roster that had any real starting experience. I mean, Mike Hughes had a handful of starts and really that was it. Cause you had the young guys like Gladney and Dantzler and Chris Jones and, you know, some of the other younger cornerbacks and whatnot. And now you're bringing in guys like Patrick Peterson, who's been in the league for 10 years and yep. Rashad Breland's been in the league for, you know, seven or eight years. And, you know, Dantzler has a year under his belt and, you know, they're, they're trying to do, oh, and they brought back Mackenzie Alexander, which I think was incredibly underrated as well. I think that guy's pretty solid. So, you know, they, they have a whole lot more experience at the cornerback spot now, which I think can only help, especially if, you know, Dantzler can actually stay healthy and stay on the field. He can learn a lot from guys like uh, Breland and Peterson and Mackenzie Alexander. And, you know, you look at what else they did on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, obviously they were missing Anthony Barr for most of the year last year. I think everyone kind of expected him to be gone. Uh, this year with his salary, but the uh, the Vikings did what they do and brought him back. And uh, Eric Kendricks missed the last four or five games last year, I think. And, you know, they get Michael Pierce back after he opted out. And hopefully, fingers crossed, and I know we're going to get to this here eventually, uh, Daniil Hunter finally, uh, you know, comes back and helps to cement the defensive line. But, you know, the Vikings have done a lot. They've added a lot of talent at pretty much every level of the defense. And hopefully... Uh, that will translate into uh, us seeing the kind of Vikings defense we've become accustomed to over the uh, Mike Zimmer era. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I couldn't agree more. The I, you know, you mentioned Breland's. I personally was surprised to see, I, I wasn't, I thought that it was going to be a one-year deal just so late in the off season. Um, but I was surprised that it went for 4 million. Uh, do you think Breland is now the front runner for the starting spot opposite Patrick Peterson? Or do you think Dantzler still has the, the upper hand when it comes to uh, the second outside corner spot? I mean, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm not sure how well Breland performs as like a slot corner. I think Peterson and Dantzler are more outside guys, but I, I think Breland has some ability in the slot, but then again, that's what they signed Mackenzie Alexander for as well. Right. Uh, in any case, 
like we said, uh, Dantzler has already had issues staying healthy, uh, staying on the field. And, you know, we've seen, and particularly we saw it last year at just about every position, uh, depth is important. And, you know, whether it's uh, Breland as the primary starter and Gladney getting an opportunity to, or not Gladney, I don't think Gladney's going to be here for obvious reasons, but mm-hmm. uh, Dantzler gets an opportunity to uh, develop a little more and whatnot. <clears throat> You're just going to have that depth and that uh, ability to kind of do things in waves. Or like we said, if somebody gets injured, uh, you have someone with some experience that can step in and, and fill the spot. So I'm not sure that that's probably going to end up being one of the more interesting battles of uh, training camp because we know Peterson's locked in at one corner, but yeah, we're going to have to see how they work with uh, Breland and Dantzler and Alexander and the rest of the guys they brought in now. Right, exactly. I think that's going to be a, like a fascinating uh, camp battle. Um, so I'm intrigued. And, and that's one of those ones where OTAs just really doesn't do it justice. Sam, what do you think? Get any questions, man? Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, I know um, talked a little bit of the offseason. Do you have a favorite move that the Vikings made this offseason? Um. I think I'm probably going to have to go with the uh, with the Patrick Peterson signing. I mean, I like the Dal- the Dalvin Tomlinson move, but like we said, the Vikings secondary was just so young last year, especially at the cornerback spot. And you know, Patrick Peterson has seen just about everything there is to see in the NFL, and he can help those young guys, you know, see things from a perspective that they probably haven't gained yet from not having uh, any real experience out there. And so I think, you know, if he can, I mean, he's not bad or anything like that. Obviously, he's still a very good uh, corner. I don't know if he's quite, I mean, he's past his peak, obviously, uh, given his age and whatnot. But if he can regain some of that and do that in addition to helping the Vikings young corners develop, I think it's going to be a really solid signing, even if it is only a one-year sort of deal for him. So. I think I would have to say the Patrick Peterson signing was my uh, favorite move of the offseason for the Vikings, at least as it relates to free agency and whatnot. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. It, I like. I think I would agree. It's definitely a name. It's a big name, and there was a yeah. significant. I know it's one year deal, but there's significant money that was allocated there. I know I was scrolling through Twitter uh, a couple of days ago and Sean Borman tweeted just like the numbers that the Vikings have spent in free agency on the offensive side versus the defensive side. And the <laughs> defensive side is over 42, like just over 42 million and the offense is just under four and a half million. So uh, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely a significant, uh, significant focus of this off season. On, uh, on well, I mean, last, last year, last year was the first time in the Zimmer era where the team really had to lean on its offense. Yeah. I mean, the, for most of the Mike Zimmer era, I mean, the defense was bad the first year he was there just because, you know, that was what he inherited. But basically every year after that, the defense was really good and they were kind of carrying the offense for the most part. And yeah, last season, the the defense kind of fell apart, whether it's because of, you know, losing guys like Linval Joseph and Xavier Rhodes and players that had been here for a while or, you know, injuries like we saw with Kendricks and Barr and some other players. But yeah, last season, the offense uh, was expected to carry the defense and some games they were able to do it. And some games they just couldn't handle that much because the defense just didn't stop anyone. But 
Yeah, they they knew where the money needed to be spent, and I'm sure Mike Zimmer was pounding the table for as many defensive guys as they could get their hands on. So, yeah, they uh, they did what they had to do, I think. Yeah, it, it sounds <laughs> like he, he definitely had a voice in, in some of the decisions that were made this this offseason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is good. It's, I think it's important. Like it's uh, you want for uh, if you're gonna have a coach and you're gonna pay him money and you're gonna have him there, then surround him with a team that makes sense for for what he's what he's looking to do. But I know we're, we're talking about defense, and so I think that this is a natural transition to talking um, in our third down about Daniil Hunter. And I guess we're there's a lot of speculation right now. We're in OTAs. Um, what would you say your level of concern is when it comes to Hunter? Uh I'm mildly concerned. I mean, I can understand where he's coming from. I mean, he signed that contract a few years ago and now compared to some of the other edge defenders, he's not quite as highly paid as some of those guys are. And on the other hand, you know, he's coming off a significant injury. I mean, neck injuries are nothing to screw with. Uh, And so, you know, it's difficult for the Vikings to say, yeah, you just missed a whole year with a significant injury. Uh, We're going to give you more money. And so, I mean, hopefully something will come about where, you know, the two sides can work something out and he can be uh, in camp and doing what he does again, especially after he uh, missed last season. But yeah, I'm mildly concerned at this point. If we get to, obviously, if we get to training camp and he hasn't shown up, uh, then the concern level goes significantly higher. But yeah, now I'm I'm mildly concerned about whether or not he's going to be back. Right. It's, you know, when I've been thinking about this, I've been going back and forth. I feel like the two situations that we've dealt with recently that have been similar in a sense have been Stefan Diggs and Dalvin Cook in that they're two young, tremendous players. Stefan Diggs ends up getting traded, obviously. Dalvin Cook, there were some rumblings of uh, being upset and maybe staying away a little bit, and then they, they iron out that contract extension. Uh, I mean... Do you think if uh, we have general manager Gates uh, or if, or maybe Rick Spielman has you on speed dial? I don't know. You know, Spielman, <laughs> Spielman calls you up and said, listen, this is this job is just getting to be too stressful. Like I'm putting it on you. Uh, what, what do we do here to solve this problem to make sure that we have a Dalvin Cook situation and not a Stefan Diggs situation? I mean, they do have some extra cap space freed up now, thanks to the uh, the Rudolph release having been uh, designated post June first. Um, they might be able to work something out where they can get him a little extra money or whatever, if that's really what he's after to make him happy. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to look at guys like uh, Brian O'Neill is going to be up for an extension here too, yep. and uh, yep. yeah, it's going to be difficult. Uh, to give them too much more, I would think, because like I said, he's coming off a significant injury and, you know, you don't know if he's back a hundred percent yet. You don't know his situation because you haven't seen him play since, you know, the playoff game against the Niners in like that almost two years ago. So um, yeah, it's going to be difficult. I mean, I would like to think that they could find something to, to make him happy with, but uh, we're just going to have to see what uh, Rick Spielman and Rob Brzezinski and company can pull off here. Do you think that would be, I mean, cause I want, I see a lot of Vikings fans. They say, well, there's the, the there's the neck injury, which obviously is a massive deal. Cause you say, you know, this is a super serious injury. This isn't like sprinting your ankle. And then there's three years left on his deal. Right. And so on the one hand you say, okay, 
the Vikings have the leverage. But then the other hand, you say, okay, how was your pass rush last year? Not very good. And that ends, you traded for another young stud defensive end in Ngakwe. Well, how did that work out for you? So it's not, it's not as simple as just getting another edge rusher. Not every, not every edge rusher fits and, and, and does the things that, that Andre Patterson and Zim want them to do. And so do you think, though, that in a sense that Hunter actually has a fair amount of leverage here? I think he does, because like you said, last year, the Vikings pass rush was just a disaster without him. I mean, you, you want to like guys like, you know, DJ Wanham and whatnot, but, you know, Daniil Hunter is Daniil Hunter, basically. Yeah. And, you know, he he's one of the best uh, edge players in football, especially at the young age he's at. Um, yeah, he, he does have a significant amount of leverage here, but, you know, so do the Vikings, so... Uh, it's just a matter of which way you uh, lean towards as to who actually has the advantage here. And yeah, that's uh, that's something the front office is going to have to work out. And hopefully one way or another, it gets done uh, in a manner that keeps uh, Hunter here in purple for the long term. If disaster strikes and Hunter isn't in purple <laughs> or he somehow ends up in Ravens purple like Ngakwe did, uh, <laughs> Do you think that's disastrous for the defense, or will this will this defense be good enough to uh, get back to being that top tier level like we were just talking about? I mean, it it certainly doesn't help. I know they drafted a couple of guys as edge defenders in uh, Patrick Jones and Janarius Robinson, but you know, <clears throat> unless one of those guys steps in and has an immediate impact, uh, not having Daniel Hunter, you're going to see the same kind of uh, anemic pass rush I think that you saw last year. Uh, obviously, the push from uh, Michael Pierce and Tom, Dalvin Tomlinson uh, on the inside would help that a little bit because uh, the Vikings' defensive tackles last year were awful. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah uh, I think I don't know if they can overcome not having Daniel Hunter there this year. I think they have to have him if this defense wants to be successful. Right. Right. Are you a uh... Are you a Wanham fan? Do you do you expect considerable growth from DJ Wanham? I mean, I would like to think so. I mean, he did do a solid job last year for a guy who was drafted in the fourth round, and there probably wasn't much expected out of him. Uh, yeah. I can't, I don't have his numbers right in front of me or anything, but you know, he he did a solid enough job, I think. And you know, as long as Andre Patterson is coaching defensive linemen in Minnesota, uh, I think he can develop just about anyone with some talent into uh, something significant. So. Yeah, I I think that he would work well as a situational guy at this point. I don't know if he's ready for the full-time uh, gig as a defensive end. But, yeah, I would expect him to take a bit of a step forward this year. Yeah, true enough. Like, and that's – I mean, Sam and I, we've talked – like, the last year, in a lot of ways, the Vikings didn't have bad players. They had bad roles. They had guys who were playing roles that they really weren't meant to play that year. Right, DJ Warner yeah. shouldn't have been playing as much. It's not that he's a bad player; it's just that he wasn't no. meant for that role necessarily. And then when you do that all over your defense, it really catches up with you. Um, so, I mean, having that true number one defensive end, I guess, allows some of those roles to kind of sort themselves out a little bit. Um, yeah, so I think that makes sense. Sam, I, I have an impossible question for Chris, but before I get there, what do you what do you got? <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm curious to see your impossible question now. Um, it, uh, I, I guess, for me, I'm, I've been looking at this off season, and I guess 
I feel feel hesitant about this idea of extending a player that is coming off injury or, or to like give him what his demands are. I feel like um, with all the void years they put into some of these contracts and it's funny, Kyle and I've talked about it a few times, just how concerned people were at the start of the summer about where the money was going to come from. And now mm-hmm. uh, not that there's ever too much money, but it almost feels a little bit like they've opened themselves up to where obviously there's still players they could sign, but, but now they have this money that, Neil Hunter's looking at it and it's like, well, you, you got that money. Like you could pay me um, with, with that. Like, I don't, I don't, I guess for me, it, it sounds like obviously the desire is to get him on the, on the field and you, you want to Neil Hunter in your defense every day of the week. Um, oh yeah. But, but for me, I just, I, I guess it's not as much a question as just, it is like an observation that maybe you can speak into just like, I'm concerned about the way that money's been spent a little bit. In this offseason, especially as you think about looking forward and I could see an extension or, or whatever they do to rearrange his his, uh, his contract to be a real blow to, to this team when you look further down the line. It could potentially be. <clears throat> I mean, some of the understanding, I think, is that uh, the cap is going to go way up next year. I thought I saw reports of somewhere between uh, 20 and $25 million dollars. Uh, worth of increase on the cap for next year. So I don't know if that would figure into their uh, calculations in uh, extending guys like uh, Hunter or Brian O'Neill or whoever else it might be. But yeah, you don't want them to, you know, shoot themselves in the foot uh, too much with this, but you know, like, uh, like we talked about earlier uh, without, Daniel Hunter, we saw what the defensive line for the Vikings looked like. And, you know, even though he is coming off of a serious injury, uh, if he's all the way back, you can make the case that he single-handedly makes that defensive line uh, formidable again, especially with the uh, additions of Pierce and uh, Tomlinson in the middle. So uh, it's going to be an interesting chess match to watch between, you know, Hunter's camp and the, the Vikings front office here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that like uh, the the ideal situation is he comes back, everyone's happy, and he yeah. picks up where he left off. And and so I say my point just in the sense that there is there is definitely another side to consider. And when you look ahead and you look at what Kirk Cousins' contract's going to be next year, and all these void years that have really like, and I think that many times sports teams are. are in win now or thinking about now and maybe someone else will have to come and clean up the mess if it, if it gets too bad. Um, but yeah, I think obviously the hope is that, that this gets done, that everyone, uh, everyone's happy and, and uh, that this defense becomes back to, to what it, what, what it should be and what it could be. I certainly hope so because yeah, I, I like watching Daniel Hunter work and you know, the, the way the defense looks with him is significantly uh, better than the way I looked without him. So, yeah, hopefully things can get worked out to everyone's satisfaction here before too much longer. Yeah, yeah, that that defense was tough to watch, um, especially yeah. at the end of last year. Christmas Day was miserable. <laughs> it was. That was a awful. miserable Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, before I hit you with the impossible question, I'll hit you with a simpler one. So I spoke, <laughs> I've spoken with uh, a writer, so Mr. Reisman and Will Fong and Mr. Brettel, so uh, Packers, Bears, and Lions writer. And the final question I had for them was all, you know, give me an NFC North prediction. And every single one of them chose the Packers. So now before I ask you my impossible question, I ask you this one. 
can you give me an NFC North prediction? Um, is it the Packers or are you going with somebody else? It depends entirely on the Aaron Rodgers situation. Okay. If Rodgers is back with Green Bay, then I think you'd have to go with the Packers as the favorite there. Yep. Obviously, if Rodgers isn't back, then yeah, I think Minnesota is positioned to uh, to jump up and take that spot. But yeah, obviously, when you have a player the caliber of Aaron Rodgers, who just won his third MVP award, <clears throat> and you're not sure whether or not he's coming back, if he comes back, yeah, he's good enough to shift the balance of this division all by himself. So if Rodgers is back, yeah, it's Green Bay. But if he's not back, no, it that the Vikings win this division if Aaron Rodgers isn't the quarterback in Green Bay, I think. All right, fair enough. I mean, I don't know, and you can correct me if I'm misrepresenting you here, but I'm going to claim that as a half vote for Minnesota. I had all these three full votes for the Packers, <laughs> and if anybody asks, I'm going to say Christopher Gates. Rick Spielman even has him on speed dial, and he <laughs> said that it's kind of up in the air and half and half. Maybe Minnesota wins it if everything breaks right. Fair enough. You can you can do that. You can put me down for half a half a Minnesota vote. We gotta represent somehow. We we've got audio proof now. Yeah, right. That's fine. Right. Totally cool. All right. Well I'll, then I'll I'll hit you with my uh, my final question for you, and this is the impossible one. Uh, let's assume everything goes right. Hunter's back and it doesn't cost you know an incredible amount of money. I was gonna say it doesn't cost a million dollars, but in the NFL that's not very much. Uh, it, it doesn't cost far more than a million dollars. Dalvin Tomlinson ends up being a good three technique. Patrick Peterson ends up doing a Terrence Newman style thing and ends up being actually really excellent, even though he's older. Kirk Cousins maybe even takes a step forward with, uh, with little Coob. Does this, if everything goes right, is, is this a legit Super Bowl contender? Could you actually foresee um, an actual legit shot at the Super Bowl here with these guys? I actually kind of do. Just because, you know, the uh, this team has as much talent at the skill positions as any other team in the league uh, with Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Uh, you know, Cous- Cousins takes a lot of heat. He's not a bad quarterback. He has moments where he makes you wonder what the heck he's doing. But overall, he's not a bad quarterback. Yeah. If the offensive line, like we said earlier, can take a step forward to even being average, this team would be able to put up points in bunches, which is what you need to do to be successful in the NFL. And, you know, if you can put up points in bu- in bunches like that, it takes kind of the burden off your defense a little bit. And so I, I think this team has the talent to be a Super Bowl contender. It's just a matter of everything uh, falling into place. And, you know, regardless of what team you are in the National Football League, uh, if you're going to win a Super Bowl, you need to – get a few bounces, have a few things work in your direction. And yeah, if, if the Vikings can get some of those bounces, I, I think they have a shot. I don't know if it's a good shot, but I think they have a shot. Yeah. Okay. You know what? And at the end of the day, you can really only ask for, for a chance in life. So yep. if, as long as they've got a shot, then, you know, I can make my peace with that. Sam, do you <laughs> have anything, anything for Chris here that I asked him my impossible question and he handled it with great, grace and poise oh yeah i think that was a that was that was exactly the answer you wanted to hear um yeah yeah better than a flat no exactly yeah (laughs) that would have been discouraging um before we end the question probably fit more in the first down but i just it it came to me later um 
I wanted to know in your 15 years of covering the Vikings, what's been the highlight? That's a good question. Um, wow. I mean, there, there were the, uh, the couple of NFC championship game runs. I mean, obviously they both ended uh, in incredible disappointment, uh, but you know, they were a lot of fun to cover both the 2009 team and the uh, 2017 team. Uh, we obviously had the weirdness of the 2010 season where things just kept getting weirder week after week after week. Uh, that doesn't mean it was fun. It was interesting, but it wasn't, you know, a ton of fun. But yeah, uh, yeah the, those runs to the NFC Championship game, I think, were were probably the highlights, even if they did end badly, because, you know, it's always more fun when your team is successful. And, you know, they were very successful both of those years. And yeah, that, that made it a whole lot of fun. And the community was more active and stuff like that. So yeah, that would probably have to be my answer. Either of those runs to the... Uh, the NFC Championship game, they were both kind of on an equal level, as far as I can tell. Neat, neat. I feel like with sports, sometimes you have to remember those kinds of moments because it's just so hard for people to actually endure a lot of success as a fan of a team because it's so often a letdown from what you're from what you're hoping. And so, yeah. yeah and I mean, and the goal, you know, we had those those good seasons, and then we had seasons like 2011 where they won three games and. You know, 2013 was a pretty awful year. And, you know, we, we, we have awful years. We have good years. And, you know, it, it just kind of ebbs and flows. And that's what makes this uh, such an interesting uh, thing to do and bring, uh, bring fans together to, uh, to either celebrate it or commiserate together. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully more of the former than the latter. But, uh, yeah. yeah that, that would be nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As it goes. Uh, yep. Anyways, we, we just want to sincerely thank you for, for stopping by Notes from the North to offer us this insight. And so listeners can find uh, Christopher's work at The Daily Norseman and on Twitter at Daily Norseman. Uh, do you have a personal Twitter account or is the site account the best spot for social media? For uh, the site account is the best spot to uh, to get all the stuff from both me and uh, and the other writers on the, uh, on the website as well. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Well, we, uh, yeah definitely encourage people to go and check out the site there are lots of good work um and so yeah this is uh, it's been a lot of fun thank you so much awesome thank you for having me folks i appreciate it well we just we want to thank christopher again for coming on a lot of fun to to have him on and to hear his take and just to get a sense of of where he's at i think that um it's easy to get caught up in, in a lot of what's going on right now and trying to check in on the noise and see where people are at. But I just, I, I know I personally really appreciated his level head and thinking about stuff and, and enjoyed hearing him talk about the Hunter situation and, and where we're at. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in full agreement. And I, like, I wasn't just saying this cause I was talking to him. Like, I really do think that daily Norseman is an excellent Minnesota Viking site and that folks, if you're listening to this and you I don't know. I don't know how many folks like if the Vikings is at your primary Viking spot. That's I think it's great. Man, hop over to Daily Norseman as well. Like they do, they just do really excellent work. Um, and so by all means, uh, read their stuff as well. And I thought that he, like you're saying, level-headed approach. Sometimes Vikings fans, especially once we get collectively online, we sometimes can um, uh, I don't know catastrophize. Perhaps might be the word. Um, but I think he brought us uh, a good perspective, which I appreciated. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, it's, um, 
That's good. We're, we're, things are moving. We're, we're coming to the start of the season, but uh, yeah, this is, this has been, it was good just to chat and just to, to think. And I, I definitely feel, feel more at peace after that. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just transitioning into our odds and ends, just briefly, I know the wild season's done. Uh, one, one highlight, Marco Rossi has been back skating, which has been great because he's been dealing with COVID effects and, and, um, to see him out on the ice and skating and uh, is, is definitely encouraging. And so who knows what was recovery, wish him all the best and as he's recovering, but that is, uh, that is exciting. Um, I know mm. we did, we did do some playoff predictions and um, mine didn't end well. I, uh, I, feel, I like, it's been, it's been over a week now and I'm still, still mourning a loss of, of the Leafs. Um, I did, I do have my backup pick where I said that the winner that's coming out of the wilds division will, will win the cup. And so, uh, that that gives me a lot of range, but, but I am feeling pretty, pretty good about Colorado or Vegas. Um, at the time we're recording right now, it's three, two in the series that there's still some, this will, the the winner will be decided by the time this is released, but uh, either one of those teams is, is going to, is going to roll Montreal although not roll them as much as I thought the Leafs was going to win, but um, they, I think that they'll, they'll come out on top. And, and I know Kyle had the, had the lightning and, and they are, uh, they're looking very, very good. They're an absolute juggernaut. They're just, they're deep. They got elite talent, but they're deep. They can play, I think any style. There's really no clear to my, I mean, Sam knows more about hockey than I do. Um, but to my mind, I don't, I don't see any weakness in Tampa. That, that doesn't mean they can't be beat. Like like team teams, any team can be beat. Uh, the eighteen and no Patriots lost, but I, I just Tampa just doesn't have a weakness. Um, and so may, maybe a team gets them here. I don't know. A lot can happen in a seven game series. But man, oh man, Tampa's good. They're just they, so good. They they can win many ways. And I was listening to something today. They were talking about like they can win six five and they can win two one. And exactly. uh, they've got so many pieces in exactly. place. They've done a great job drafting and developing. And yep. this is part of building a team. You gotta, yep. they've, they've done, they've hit on some late picks. They've signed good contracts. They've managed things well. Um, and, and here they are. And so I and think they've won before. Right. And, and so they're, they're as confident as could be. Right. Yeah. They, they are looking very, very good. I, I am like, I think the best thing for hockey would be for the lightning and, and then one of Colorado or Vegas to be in the finals. That would be must watch yeah. hockey. Tampa, um, Colorado especially if you want to, if you want to, I mean, people in Canada for the most part know how great of a sport hockey is. It does still seem like in a lot of parts of the States, it's a bit of an afterthought, but if you really want to market the sport and say, look at the talent we have to offer, like, look at this product, man, Tampa, Colorado, that's tremendous. And, and even if it was Vegas, I still think that that would be yeah. fantastic yeah. hockey. I, the right now, Montreal has just been very much playing a, a trap, not trap, but like just a defensive style of, yeah. of playing and the New York Islanders to an extent do that as well. And I know they're uh, in their series with, with Boston right now, that's three, two for the New York Islanders uh, as smart. we currently record. It's but, really smart. I mean, Montreal's not as talented as other teams. So they just, they grind. Right. And, and same thing with New York Islanders, the Barry Trotz as head coach. Smart, man. It's really mm-hmm. smart. And and their their series with Boston actually has been relatively open considering where things yeah. things are. But but yeah, it's just been I, I think that a lot of the times for the NHL playoffs, 
you get these series that are duds. And I think that the, the Montreal Winnipeg one was a little bit of a dud, but the yeah. other three series, this, this second round have been incredible. And so it's a lot of fun. And I'm just, I'm hoping that we continue to get some great matchups. Let's, uh, we, we didn't talk about this, but let's, um, and by the time it comes out on Monday, there's no suspense. People will know, but we're, we're recording this Wednesday evening. Um, what's your prediction for the final two series here? Uh, who, who's going to end up winning? Um, yeah, between Boston and the Island. Boston and the Island, and then we got uh, Vegas and Colorado are still going. Uh, I, um, I th- before the series, I would have picked Boston and Colorado. They're both down 3-2 now. I don't know if both can come back. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them anyways. I'm going to say Boston, oh, come on. Boston and Colorado. That's, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm, I'm still sticking with Boston and Colorado, so I, I feel bad that we're... <laughs> you know what? I'll... I, I don't, I'm not going to change this because what you said, I got to go first. Um, but <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Well, I picked the other two then, but I guess <laughs> you got Vegas and the New York Islanders, the favorites actually at this point, that, that worked out so, pretty well yeah. for you. I guess um, so. You know what? I, any one of those teams is, uh, will be a lot of fun to watch. And I think even, yeah. even the Islanders will be, will yep. be good hockey. So lots of, lots of fun, but lots, yep. lots of hockey to, to come, but We'll, we'll wrap it up there. We uh, be Stay tuned. We've got a couple of fun episodes coming. Uh, we're going to do some some lists. We're, we're definitely in the spot in the offseason where there's a little bit less content. We're going to be taking a little bit of a break, but we're going to be recording some episodes and doing some fun uh, lists, some some questions. We're going to have uh, Kyle and, and another guest on to talk about some of their, their happy memories, maybe some of their not-so-happy memories, different things. Yeah, Vikings related, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So check out for those two next episodes. Um, they'll be coming out every other week like we've been doing. But thanks so much for listening. Be sure to stop by vikingsgazette.com for great Minnesota news, commentary, and analysis. The Vikings Gazette can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Vikings Gazette. Take care, everyone, and we will talk with you soon.